Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. The word of God for our meditation on this Palm Sunday is today's Gospel, John chapter 12. And I'll remind you of these words. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to tell you the story of a talking donkey. And no, I'm not making this up. This comes directly from the pages of the Bible. Balak, the king of Moab, was worried. He was worried about this wandering multitude called Israel, that those people were going to come and swallow up his little nation, that they were going to attack and destroy them. And so he contacted a sorcerer, a man by the name of Balaam, and told him that he would pay him handsomely if he would come and put a curse on Israel. So Balaam saddled up his donkey, and he rode to meet with the king of Moab. Now, of course, the Lord was upset about all this. He didn't want anybody putting a curse on the people that he had blessed. And so he sent one of his angels to get in the way of Balaam. Now, the only one who could see the angel was Balaam's donkey. And whenever the donkey would see the angel in front of them, the donkey would stop, and Balaam would beat that donkey mercilessly. This happened a few times. And the last time it happened, the donkey actually lay down in the path. And again, Balaam beat the donkey mercilessly. And this rather strange thing took place. The Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And she said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Now, the conversation continued on from there, but you, you get the idea. It's a talking donkey. In the portion of God's holy word before us today, we meet another talking donkey. Now, this one doesn't actually open his mouth and speak words, but this donkey has a lot to say about our Savior. This donkey tells us that Jesus comes in fulfillment of ancient prophecy. This donkey tells us that Jesus is a king unlike any other. And this donkey tells us that Jesus came to save sinners like you and me. That Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday was no accident. In fact, there was nothing in our Savior's life or ministry on this earth that we would call an accident. It was all predicted. It was all prophesied by God right down to the smallest detail. Jesus rode that donkey in fulfillment of Scripture. Let me give you some examples of the kind of thing I'm talking about. It was prophesied that the Messiah would not be born in Jerusalem, a big, powerful city, but he'd be born in David's hometown in that little city called Bethlehem. And when the time had fully come, Mary gave birth to her firstborn, and it happened in Bethlehem. Isaiah, seven centuries before that birth, prophesied that the Messiah would come and he would heal those who were sick and he would preach good news. Jesus, of course, did all those things. And on one occasion, Jesus was preaching on those very words from Isaiah and then he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, I am the promised Savior. 
And just think of all the little details, the little fulfillments of prophecy that we see throughout the passion history of our Lord Jesus. For example, it was prophesied that Jesus would be pierced, and he was pierced by nails and thorns and a spear, and yet not one of his bones were broken. It was prophesied that Messiah would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I am thirsty. It was even prophesied that the soldiers would cast lots for his clothing. And my friends, all of these things happened in direct fulfillment of Scripture. And we have another such fulfillment before us today in God's Word, a big fulfillment. In our Old Testament reading, we heard Zechariah's prophecy. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. In our text, we see that prophecy made five centuries earlier coming to vivid life as Jesus rode that lowly donkey down the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem where he was going to die. Now, there are two reasons why this fulfillment of prophecy is really important to us. Number one, it teaches us that we can trust what our God says to us. Jesus once prayed to his Father, Father, your word is truth. God said that the Messiah, our promised Savior, would ride a donkey into that ancient city to carry out his saving work, and that is exactly what happened. Secondly, this fulfillment of prophecy teaches us that Jesus of Nazareth is our Savior. Every sign points to him. In fact, over 350 Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth and nobody else. I mean, there simply is no one else who was born in Bethlehem and preached the good news and fulfilled miracles and rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and suffered and died on a cross and rose again on the third day. These things are our Savior's calling cards. We don't need to look for another Savior. Jesus of Nazareth is the one, and that donkey he rode on speaks that message to us loudly and clearly. Now, Jesus didn't ride that donkey into an empty city. There was a large crowd in Jerusalem at this time gathered for the Passover festival. Thousands, perhaps even hundreds of thousands of people, and many of them came out to welcome Jesus when they heard that he was coming into town. And they hailed him as nothing less than a king. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Palm branches are an ancient symbol of victory. The crowd was excited to welcome this king who was going to win the victory for them. But just exactly what kind of victory were they hoping for? Sadly, many, if not even most of them, were looking for Jesus to win a military victory. They were looking for a warrior king who could kick the hated Romans out of their promised land. They were looking for a bread king to keep their bellies full. They wanted Jesus as their king to bring them prosperity. You know, two chariots in every garage and a fattened calf in every pot. They wanted these kinds of things, and very few of them really understood why the Messiah would come, what Jesus' real mission was. And that, of course, was to save sinners, to provide forgiveness and eternal life through his suffering and death and resurrection. 
Even his disciples were confused about all this. This is what our text tells us. It says, At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. What about us? Do we ever get confused about these things? Do we ever look to Jesus to deliver us things, to give us blessings that he simply hasn't promised to give us? I can't tell you how many times in my ministry somebody has said something like this to me. Well, I believe that God wants me to be happy. And often that's said to cover up some kind of sin, to rationalize it or something. But the basic gist is God promises me a good and easy and fulfilling life in this world as one of his children. Really, where did God ever promise such a thing? In point of fact, Jesus promised exactly the opposite. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus said, you will be hated by everyone because of me. He promised that being one of his followers would bring hardship and self-denial. Yet sometimes we can become a little impatient, maybe even a little perturbed, if the needle on our happiness gauge isn't pushed all the way to full all the time. Sometimes we fall into the trap of the prosperity gospel, and we begin to think to ourselves something like this, well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and so I should just go from one happy event in my life to another. I should really have no lack of good things. My bank account should be full, and, and every effort should be crowned with success. Now, I, I doubt that any of us would think or speak so crassly as that uh, and have those kinds of ideas in that form. And yet, my friends, in our hearts, in our minds, we can draw close to those things at times. I mean, what about right now? Are you becoming a little perturbed, a little impatient with this whole COVID-19 thing and sheltering in place and quarantine and all this kind of stuff? Have at any point you asked in your mind, why, Lord? What are you thinking? Why would you allow this pandemic, which is causing so much suffering and loss and hardship and fear, what possible good could you bring for something like this? Lord, what are you thinking? You promised to take care of us. And of course, he does. My friends, we are such broken creatures by nature. We are often so distracted by our constant pursuit of happiness, so focused on what makes us feel good, that far too often we, we look to Jesus, we look to our God as kind of this prosperity machine, this sort of bread king. And when things don't go exactly the way that we want them to go, well, we can become a little impatient, maybe even a little upset and a little angry with our Lord. You know, I think it's time to listen again to that donkey. Look at this steed that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Not a steed at all, right? A donkey, a lowly beast of burden. Now, there will, there will be some who argue that, that traditionally the kings of Israel rode on donkeys. King David certainly rode on a donkey. And that's absolutely true. But this wasn't the era of King David. This was the Roman era. Kings rode on war horses. No self-respecting monarch would be caught dead riding a donkey. 
But Jesus is a completely different kind of king. Jesus came in humility. He didn't dress to impress. No royal robes, no golden crown on his head. He didn't have an honor guard of powerful soldiers with sharp swords and shining shields and colorful banners fluttering in the breeze. He had these ragtag, uneducated disciples following him. And he didn't come to conquer or to control or to claim an earthly throne for himself. He came for one purpose alone, to establish peace between a holy God and his sinful creatures. And my friends, Jesus would let nothing stop him from carrying out that mission. I want you to look at where the donkey was carrying Jesus. Right into a trap. Right into the hornet's nest. Right into the enemy's lair. And what's more, Jesus knew it. Even more than that, Jesus predicted it. This was his plan. This was God's plan on more than one occasion. Jesus said to his disciples what was going to happen. That he would have to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things. To be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Luke tells us that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Nothing could stand in his way. He would let nothing stop him from going to the cross for us. Why? Was it a death wish, as some conjecture? No, my friends, it was a life wish. Jesus wanted life for us. His greatest desire is to spend all of eternity with us. And the only way to accomplish that was to get rid of the sin that separated us from him. And the only way to accomplish that was by making the full payment for our sin. And so he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus took our shame on himself. He suffered in our place the death and hell that we deserve, and he did it so that we can have life with him forever. Just think of this, my friends. All of my self-centered thinking, all of my discontented longing for prosperity, my obsessive pursuit of happiness at all costs, my greed, my lust, my whining, my complaining, my laziness, all of it is gone, washed away in the precious cleansing tide of Jesus' holy blood. And the sign and the seal that Jesus accomplished his mission is found at his empty and open tomb, which we will celebrate with great joy this coming Sunday. My dear brothers and sisters, you can be certain of this. Your sins are all forgiven. Your eternal happiness is a done deal. So then, what about earthly happiness? Is there no joy for us who are followers of Jesus? Well, of course there is. But Jesus changes our view of what brings true joy and fulfillment. We find our real fulfillment not in serving ourselves, but in serving others like Jesus, who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We find our real joy in simply living out our vocations, the callings that we have in life as faithful husbands and wives, nurturing moms and dads, caring teachers and diligent students, fair employers, hardworking employees, helpful citizens, loyal friends. 
We find our true joy in doing all things, eating or drinking or sheltering in place or washing our hands or whatever it may be, all to the glory of our God. We find real happiness not in the fleeting, rusting, moth-eaten trinkets that can be stored in a wallet or a garage or a closet, but instead in the eternal gospel treasures stored up in word and sacrament and the eternal treasures that Jesus won for us and that wait for us in heaven. My friends, finally, true happiness, true joy and fulfillment, now and eternally, are found only in the one who rode on that donkey. My friends, it truly is a miracle. Balaam's donkey actually spoke. But what this donkey has to say, I think, is a lot more important. What precious cargo sat on that donkey's back. That lowly creature, that beast of burden, carried the creator of the world, carried him to his shameful death on the cross. And my friends, because Jesus went to that cross and died for us, we have life with him now and forever. Thanks be to our Lord Jesus, the fulfillment of Scripture, the King of the universe, and a Savior of all people, even you and me. Amen.